Well, I can't see the digital numbers from here. <laughs> now I have digital numbers. There you go. Am I on? Okay. <laughs> well, well, well. I'm not... Uh, <clears throat> I'm kind of technologically challenged anyways. I, don't, I, just, I know how to turn the computer on. I'm doing pretty good. <clears throat> two ladies couldn't get along. Back in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 14, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, do all things without griping and bickering. That's, that's my translation of that verse. Uh, and I, I don't know if Paul wrote chapter 2, verse 14, with those ladies in mind in chapter 4. Perhaps he did. Of course, those verses are for all of us. Complaining is just a plain old wrong no matter what we're complaining about. There's, there's no loophole for us here. It's okay to complain about the weather. No, it's not okay to complain about the weather. It's not okay to complain about uh, whatever politician happens to be in power because God put that person there. He gave us our weather. We can't complain about anything. Not even our own mistakes, really. <clears throat> but the, it's the last part of that verse, the, the disputing, the, the bickering, uh, that, were, that the problem was with uh, those two ladies. And we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament tonight that kind of has to do with that. Um, <laughs> we need a bigger pulpit up here. <clears throat> <laughs> Boy, she nailed me. Good job. <clears throat> in 1 Samuel chapter 24, Saul is hunting David down. David's in the cave. You remember? Saul goes into the cave. David has the chance to wipe out Saul. Does he take that chance? No, he doesn't harm Saul. Two chapters later, Saul is again hunting David down. It sounds like in chapter 24, the first time, it sounds like Saul repents. He's going to leave David alone. He goes home, but he doesn't. He just, he wants to get David again, so he goes, he chases David again in chapter 26. This time, uh, it tells us a little bit later on in the chapter that God calls, caused Saul and his men to fall into a real sound sleep. You remember David and one of his men went down to Saul's camp, took Saul's spear and his water jug, and then went a uh, distance away and called down to Abner and, and so forth. And Saul once again says something like, you're more righteous than I, and, and Saul goes home. But we're not going to talk about Saul tonight, but we are going to talk about David. What I want to talk about is in between those two chapters. <clears throat> like any other person on the face of the earth, David was inconsistent. David did a lot of great things, but he, he wasn't perfect. In chapter 26, there's a story of Nabal and his wife, Abigail. <clears throat> chapter 24, David doesn't try and kill Saul. Chapter 26, he doesn't try to kill Saul. Chapter 25, what does he try to do to Nabal? He wants to kill Nabal. 
Uh, we're all we're all inconsistent. Uh, some somebody once said to me, it was actually my wife, so this kind of it meant something to me. She said something about me being patient. I was dealing with some people who weren't, you know, they weren't quite like Nabal, but they weren't, you know, they were giving me a hard time. She said, I can't believe how patient you were with those people. And although I appreciated her compliment, I, I knew that I really wasn't very patient. Uh, you know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I have a hammer in my hand and I'm trying to drive that nail in, if that nail doesn't, of course, it's not the nail's fault. Uh, it, it's the knucklehead holding the, holding the hammer. <coughs> I can, get, I can get really ticked off in a hurry at something silly like that. Anyways, I'm inconsistent, and we all are. So in 1 Samuel 25, we're going to study about Nabal and David. I'm not going to read the chapter. I know it takes about eight minutes to read the whole chapter. It's 44 verses. And we're going to read parts of it as we go through here. <clears throat> the first thing we do is meet Nabal in this chapter. And I'm going to read just the first a couple of, well, verse 2 and 3. Not the very first verse, but verse 2 says, Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, now the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail, and the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. Caleb was of the tribe of, uh, I can't remember now, what was he? He was of the tribe of something or other. He was a good tribe. Obviously, Caleb was a good man. Nabal was not a good man. However, he was very rich. <clears throat> this man had power, position, prestige, riches from a good tribe, but he had a very poor character. He wasn't a very nice guy to be around. He was a miserable fellow. His, even his wife's uh, assessment of his character was not very good. Later on in the, uh, in the chapter when she talks to David, she says in verse 25, he's worthless, uh, Nabal is his name, and folly, the name means fool, and, he sh and she says, folly is with him. <clears throat> David had been hiding from Saul, not too far from Nabal. David had, David had been, been very good to Nabal's property, his animals, his men. And, and verse 4 says that David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So... <clears throat> Uh, sheep shearing time in that land and that time and that culture was a pretty festive time and you had like a like a big festival a big party when you sheared the sheep and you had all kinds of people helping you and you fed them all and you had a great time and so David thinks you know I've been close by here it's it's a good time he's going to have this big feast it'd be a good time to uh, maybe he would help help us Maybe he'd feed us. Maybe he'd invite us to the feast. It tells us later on that David had about 600 men with him. Verse 13. Uh, David's responsible. He, you know, he's the leader. These 600 men are with him. And he's responsible to, to lead them. 
And that included feeding them. Now, I don't know what it will be like to feed 600 men. That's a lot of food. And as, as I understand the chapter here, David had never taken anything that belonged to Nabal to feed his men. So he was asking for some, some help here, and that's what he does. He sends 10 men to Nabal, and uh, the men address him very politely. And uh, verse, the end of verse 8, here's what these young men were supposed to say. The end of verse 8, he said, tell, tell Nabal, please give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your son David. Um, this man, uh, Nabal, was of the tribe of Judah. That was same tribe as David. I think he knew of David, even though later on he says, you know, who does this David think he is? I think he knew of David. Abigail certainly knew quite a bit about him. <clears throat> and it would have been a really nice gesture on Nabal's part to do, to do, to do whatever he could to help David. Now David sent 10 young men. So David's expecting a pretty good gift. I mean, 10 guys to carry back whatever Nabal will give him. And remember, 600 guys to feed, 10, 10 guys probably couldn't even carry it all. But he said, it's a good time to ask him. He's going to have a big, big to do. And so it's a great time. <clears throat> um, what does Nabal say to these young men? He's not very nice to them. Not only does he refuse to give David and those men anything, he insults them. Verse 10. <clears throat> Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? It's like I said, it's kind of like saying, Who does he think he is? And who is the son of Jesse? So he knew that David was Jesse's son. He, did, he knew something about David. There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. David is running from Saul, and he just regards David as a worthless fellow because he ran away from Saul. Verse 11, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men whose origin I do not know? He was insulting. So David's men went back. Now, the, now we, we meet David here in this chapter. What does, uh, what does David think of all these things? <clears throat> he, he is not very happy. Verse 13. David said to his men, Each of you gird on his sword. So each man girded on his sword. David also girded on, on his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David while 200 stayed with the baggage. <clears throat> David's not happy. The, the first time we meet David in this chapter, David doesn't look so good. In fact, David, you could really say here that David's kind of the bad guy in this story. Abigail's the, the hero, the heroine. David, David does the wrong thing. Saul is trying to kill David. David won't touch Saul. He's the Lord's anointed. Obviously, Nabal is not the Lord's anointed. But Nabal is no threat to David. Nabal is not trying to kill David. He's insulted David and David's men. He's not going to be cooperative. <clears throat> He's, uh, you know, just goes against all the social customs of the day. 
But should David uh, try and kill him? And, and all of his men, too? <clears throat> David, was, David was definitely in the wrong. What, 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 let's, let's, just, uh, let's just think for a minute. Let's see if we can find uh, some excuses for David, you know? We usually find excuses for ourselves. Is David, is there any good excuses for David? Well, David is, here's a few F's for you. David is frazzled, frustrated, and fed up with everything. He's being chased by Saul. Uh, God has already anointed him to be the king, you know, through Samuel. And in the first part of this chapter, Samuel dies. Chapter, verse 1, I didn't read. Samuel's dead. The, the one man that was kind of on his side, to, that had some kind of power and influence, he's gone. David's running around. He's hiding everywhere. He has all these men that he's responsible for. He's, uh, he's feeling pressure, responsibility for them. His men are hungry. And maybe, maybe, David is still a teenager here. Maybe. He's a very young man. He has all this going on. Could we understand why he's ready to just pounce on Nabal here? He's expecting some help from this man. He doesn't get any. So those are, those are excuses. They're not great excuses. David was simply in the wrong. One of the young men in verse 14 tells Abigail all these things. Tells what David's men coming, what Nabal did. <clears throat> And this man says to Abigail, in verse 15, The men were very good to us, that is, David's men. We were not insulted, nor did we miss anything, as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. We, it sounds like Nabal's men depended on David. I, you know, I can't help but think Nabal knew some of these things. He says in verse 16, They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the time we were with them, tending the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. <laughs> Nabal, unapproachable, unreasonable. Can't talk to the man. <clears throat> Abigail hears this right away. What does she do? She gets busy to stand, uh, you could say, in the gap between Nabal and David. I, I like what verse 18 says. I, <clears throat> it says, Abigail hurried, took 200 loaves of bread, 200 loaves of bread. Hmm. You just didn't go down to the bakery and, and you know, buy the bread or the, or the supermarket. You had to bake it. There's 200 loaves, two jugs of wine, five sheep already prepared, five measures of roasted grain, <clears throat> a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys and took them toward David. Well, that's a lot of food. I'm not sure it was quite enough to feed 600 men, but I think it came pretty close. My, 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 the thing I like about it is Nabal says, I'm not going to give my food that I prepared 
Where are these guys? Abigail takes all this food, and it seems as if when you get to the later on in the chapter, they didn't miss that food at all. Nabal still ate like a king. He still had this great thing going on. Fed all these people. <clears throat> Abigail really <laughs> is pretty amazing at all the stuff she gathered real quickly. <clears throat> so Abigail then does that, and then she meets up with, with David. Verse 23. When Abigail saw David... She hurried and dismounted from her donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, <clears throat> there's a pretty long speech that she gives to David here. In fact, as I understand it, it's the longest speech by any woman in all of the Old Testament that she gives here. <clears throat> and I want you to notice the humble spirit that she has as she speaks to David. So let me, uh, let me read some of the verses here. Here's what she says, beginning in verse 24. On me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. <clears throat> Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Those men that he sent. I didn't see them, so it's my fault? <clears throat> now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives... Since the Lord has restrained you from, a, from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now, <clears throat> now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. <clears throat> Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. Again, she had taken the guilt. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found in you all your days. An enduring house? What's that mean? <clears throat> she recognized, as did others, in fact, Saul admitted it a couple times in the surrounding chapters, he recognized that David was going to be the next king. And that's what she is saying here. An enduring house, an enduring uh, dynasty is the idea here. <clears throat> should, verse 29, Should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or trouble to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. <clears throat> Did you see that Abigail 
said something two times to David, very, very similar. <clears throat> Verse 26, God has restrained you from doing two things, shedding blood, avenging yourself. You notice that she repeated that in verse 31. By having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. <laughs> I, 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 I see a lot of faith in this, Abigail. The Lord has restrained you. <laughs> As yet, he wasn't restrained. But by do, doing what she did, David is restrained. Just think about those two, two issues that she brings up. <clears throat> shedding blood he's going to kill nabal he's going to kill everybody else that's along with nabal without a cause that's how it's, that's how it's worded in verse uh, 31 shed blood without cause nabal did nothing to deserve david killing him no cause there the second thing that she was mentioning here was uh, was what? <clears throat> Verse 26. Avenging yourself. <clears throat> Pardon me. Taking revenge on Nabal. Are we supposed to take revenge? We aren't today supposed to take revenge. Apparently it wasn't supposed to be done then either. I, mainly because there wasn't a cause for revenge. <clears throat> And, and Abigail says, when you become the ruler, you won't have this uh, to be ashamed of. You won't have this holding you back. <clears throat> Verse 31, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord because of doing these things when you become the king. Uh, does she de demonstrate Humility? Yes. Does she demonstrate wisdom? Yes. She is even almost like a prophet here. As she, as she says, uh, God has restrained you and, and done these things for you. <clears throat> she is gracious. She gives him all these gifts. And she warns him about the kind of sin that was, you know, in his heart. Very fine what she does. So then we, uh, we see David again. In verse 32, let's read what he says. David said to, Ab to Abigail, verse 32, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. David didn't miss those two things, did he? Same thing she mentioned twice. Bloodshed and avenging myself. He recognized that she was absolutely right and that he was in the wrong. I, I say that David repented of the evil that he was going to do. God, through Abigail, did restrain him. <clears throat> and he was repentant about it. Then he goes on in verse 34. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, sure there, surely there would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light. 
until the morning light as much as one male. So David received from her hand what he had what she had brought him and said to her, Go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Well, the end of the story, let's just read it real quick, 37, 38, 37 through 38. Abigail came back, went, came home to Nabal. Behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. See, she, he didn't miss all that food. He had, he had enough to help David. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk, so she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things. His heart died within him so that he became as a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. It sort of sounds like he had a stroke or something, you know. <laughs> He's so upset with what she says. Something happened. And, and, and what, what, what does happen here is that the Lord takes care of Nabal. David didn't have to. God's hand was there and took care of took care of Nabal. Now I'd like to just um, make some applications here from, from the story. First of all, <laughs> this is not a great application, but there's still Nabal's around. And you've probably had to deal with some and if you haven't, you probably will. I know I have met them. I've had to deal with them. How are we supposed to respond to Nabal-like people? Like David? Get that guy. That's the wrong response. I'm going to tell on myself here. Uh, when I was a pastor on the other side of the state, I had to, I had to work. Besides, uh, there's a small church. I had to work outside the church, and for 10 years, I drove school bus, public school bus. What a great experience. A real test of your patience. Uh, I, I had a very difficult route. I don't know why. But there was a, a family of three children whose mother used to be the bus driver on that route. I don't know what happened, why she wasn't the bus driver any longer. But those three kids hated me. I'm such a nice guy. Who would ever hate me? They, they, really, they really were difficult on me. I can remember thinking I was, I was like David. I really was. I can remember thinking, you know, I bet I could sneak up and burn their house some night. Burn it down. Yeah, I thought that. I didn't, didn't come close to doing it, mind you. But I thought that if I burned the house down, they'd have to move somewhere else and wouldn't be on my bus route anymore. Yeah? But that, that wasn't what I was thinking, really. I would just, anyways, <clears throat> what are we supposed to be like? Uh, Paul give some instructions to Timothy. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those that are in opposition, the nables. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, and escape from the snare of the devil 
having been held captive by him to do his will. People that treat us wrong, we're to be gracious, kind, and gentle to them. Perhaps God will bring repentance to them. Well, that was written to Timothy, who was a pastor, but I think it's true for all of us. Are we supposed to seek peace and pursue it? Are we supposed to do our best to be at peace with everybody? Are we supposed to be gentle with people? Yeah. We don't have the right to deal harshly with harsh people. And sometimes it's hard to restrain our natural desire to hit back when somebody hits us, whether it's with a fist or with words or whatever else. We have to do all things without complaining and disputing, griping and bickering, fighting. <clears throat> They're still navels, but we don't want to treat them in the same spirit as David. We also need to be reminded about vengeance. We would never want to take revenge. On, well, I've already given my example about taking revenge on somebody. Uh, Romans chapter 14, Paul says this to the Roman church. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Romans 12, verse 14. There we go. That looks better. Romans 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're not to be taking vengeance on people. God says he will pay back. <clears throat> we want to overcome evil with good. Good may come, just like we, uh, we read in, in Timothy there. God may bring evil from it. God does save some people like Nabal sometimes. That person that we think, boy, that's, the, that's a rotten guy. That person will never come to Christ. Sometimes they do. And we need to be used by God if possible to do that God says he will pay back so instead of taking revenge on somebody all we have to do is pray one of those Old Testament Psalms those imprecatory prayers God get them you take care of them God does pay people back doesn't he well, uh, well, let me ask this question. 
Did God pay you back for all the things you've done against him? Did God pay me back? What did God do for us? He forgave us. He gave us grace. He sent Christ. He paid Christ for what we deserve to have done to us. I, I, I really believe there's a sense in which we should not, even, even though Romans and New Testament and, God pre, and Paul writes about the gospel and the grace in this book here, <clears throat> our desire should not be, God, you get him. You, God, you take those three kids in that bus around you, get him. <clears throat> our desire should be the same kind of desire that we have for ourselves or our own children. God, give them grace. Bring them to yourself. God didn't pay us back. He gave us grace. So we have to be careful about vengeance. And then the last thing that I'd like to just bring up here, the restraining work of God. Thank God for restraining us. I, maybe you can think of some examples in your own life. Uh, you were headed to do the wrong thing and somehow God directed you away from that wrong thing. God restrained you from doing evil, doing what was wrong. Uh, in, in the story there, Abigail recognizes that God was doing that through her. David recognized God restrained him through Abigail. <clears throat> so there's a couple thoughts here. Uh, God sometimes restrains us in some way but the other thought i have here is that sometimes god may use us to be the the right influence in somebody else's life to restrain them just like he used abigail here sometimes we may be concerned about someone god may give us discernment that was the word used there with abigail that david recognized her discernment her wisdom God, God may use us, whether it's with young people, maybe a friend, it doesn't really matter who, God could use us to restrain. We know that the, the Spirit of God, I believe, is the restrainer at, at work in our world today. He's at work restraining you and me from the old sinful person that we still have, you know, inside of us. <clears throat> but maybe He can use us to be restrained. I hope those things are, are beneficial to you. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that uh, this, this story of, of David and Nabal points out some great truth for us, a great example of New Testament truth. And Lord, we know that there are people who are really difficult out there. Sometimes we work with them. They're, they're our neighbors. They're our uh, somebody we may go to school with. There are difficult people who make life hard on us. Help us to respond rightly to them. Help, help us to extend gentleness and grace to them. Help us not to desire revenge, to respond in anger, to want to get back at them. Uh, part of us, part of us is wants to do that we want to respond in anger sometimes we want to pay someone back lord help us not to have a bitter spirit about us 
to be bitter against someone, to be unforgiving, just like those two ladies were at the church at Philippi. Help us not to be like that. Help us to recognize that you are in charge of everything. You will, you will take care of those people one way or another. But help us to be desirous of people coming to Christ, even those kind of difficult people. And we thank you for the work of the Spirit in our own lives. Help us to allow him to do his work of restraining. Help us to be used by the Spirit to restrain others, to turn others, our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to be used by you to turn them from sinful patterns of behavior, from sinful acts, from sinful attitudes. May you use us like you used Abigail. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.